Hello and welcome to Cage Club. Two fans, 100 movies, one cage. This is episode 106, The Crudes, A New Age from 2020. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And Mike, he finally did it. We are at 100 acting credits for Mr. Nicholas Cage. Uh, we were saying before we started that it's kind of an anticlimactic way to go out, but, you know, he got yeah. to 100. And this yeah. is episode 106 for us, but 100 movies or whatever. <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. That's a benchmark for sure. I was not, I did not know we were going to get here today, but this is great. And I did not know we were going to be, you know, reviewing Crudes 2 this year. So that's also great that it's out. We were able to rent it on demand and watch it from home. So the wildest thing about this was that it was canceled in November 2016. There were production issues mm. and DreamWorks was like, we're done. We're not doing Crudes 2. And then like a year later, they're like, all right, we'll do it again. The first one came out in 2013. Oh, wow. Was it that long ago? Yeah. Because I was going to consider rewatching it, and then I was like, oh, I, it's a DVD. Like, I'm not going to put that in my 4K player and, like, sit through that. It's funny that this was canceled, because then they did that 2D animated show for Netflix, and I was uh -huh. like, what is this about? There's no cage involved. It was a little strange, so... It is apparently the longest time gap between DreamWorks movies in a sequel Ever. If that's a that's a weird way of saying it, but there was like a five year gap between two Kung Fu Panda movies, and this is seven and a half years. So like this is Whoa. far and away the longest time that DreamWorks has ever like it seems like to a certain extent, I guess, if DreamWorks doesn't make a sequel in X amount of years, they're just not going to. Right. They started working on it sometime before twenty sixteen, canceled it then. Like that was in the two or three year window. So I guess it was on pace, but then I don't know, man. But here we are. Grug is back. Yeah, he sure is, man. And I guess the response to that Netflix show must have been pretty good because I could only assume that that sort of put this over the edge and, and, and you know, they were like, let's do the movie. Uh, there's sort of a, there's a fan base here, or at least, like, there's a crowd that might want this. And, you know, as Cage fanatics, like, I'm glad we got it. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> For comparison's sake, I would have watched the animated series if Cage was in it. Like, over on Too Fast, Too yeah. Forever, the Fast and Furious podcast that I've done that you've did an entire lap of like there's three seasons now or going to be three seasons in uh, in the next week of the spy racers tv show like that is one that we're like nobody seems to be talking about these but they keep putting out seasons so like people are watching them right so like mm -hmm. animation kids animation on netflix is a big thing it would have been cool at least for us maybe at least if cage even if they did like what a vin diesel did in the first season of spy racers where like he's dom toretto in like four minutes of screen time like two episodes right like just have cage be like here's my family or whatever and then like just totally got like we could we would have covered that you know what i mean but yeah I, yeah i don't know yeah as long as he's in it i feel like we got to give it a watch but it's interesting like fast and furious that you mentioned what they're doing with the spy racers is they're really getting on i don't think people are really talking about this part about it either is like they're doing that whole sort of cross integration between tv and movies that like marvel and and star wars are really getting yeah. pretty good at too you know so like they're on the ball like that stuff's in canon you know so you sort of have to watch that to kind of like keep up with everything but that's good that's like that's the hook and everything and it doesn't seem like the 2d series had anything to do with at least with this movie as far as i can tell i don't know if the bettermans ever showed up in that i don't know i think they're new here but here's a quick plot summary uh for this movie in case you have not seen it yet or if you want to know what it's about or like i feel like this is the kind 
kind of movie, and this is not, I don't think, a knock to the movie, that someone could describe every point to you, and I don't know that it would affect the first viewing of it. Would you agree with that? Like, you can know what's happening. It's like, yeah, I still, because nothing in this movie is surprising, I don't think. No, no, no. This is, this is all sort of like um, reused material, it seems, like from other stuff that I, that's been like trickled down throughout the history of like TV and movies. Like these plot points, it's like this is a total sitcom. Like this yeah, is nothing, yeah. this is nothing new creatively that's going to like astound you by way of storytelling. No. And it's a breezy 95 minutes, including credits. So like you're in, you're out, just get on with it, right? So, okay, here we go. We get, I believe, a quick recap of the first movie. We've got Eep, who is Emma Stone, in love with Guy, who is Ryan Reynolds. Their love is driving Grug, 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 Nicolas Cage crazy, and worse, they want to set out on their own. But before they can leave, Grug finds a new home for all of them filled with lots of food. That's where they meet the Bettermans, Phil, played by Peter Dinklage, and Hope, played by Leslie Mann. They're Guy's parents' friends, and Guy, we see in the opening that Guy's parents fell into, like, a tar pit and, I guess, died? They also meet Dawn, played by Kelly Marie Tran, who's Guy's old friend and Eep's new friend. The plan, obviously, is to hook up Guy with Dawn. The problem is that Dawn feels trapped in this Eden. Grug isn't happy here, so he and Phil cook up a plan in a sauna to solve the Guy problem. Things come to a head at the dinner table, and to make things worse, Grug ate all the bananas. Because they have no bananas, a horde of angry monkeys shows up to wreak havoc. The men, or at least Grug and Guy and Phil, get kidnapped, and the women, and then also Grug's son, who is obsessed with TV and technology, I guess, just the window. (laughs) Yeah, he's a screen kid. (laughs) Yes. Uh, They get kidnapped, and so the women go to hunt them down. They're all sorts of beefy monkeys, and there's some great line readings in here by Cage. It's, it's not just punch monkeys. It's it's kick monkeys. Headbutt monkeys. Low, low monkeys. Bite monkeys. Appetite monkeys. Shoulders that punch. Tails that crunch. Deranged stranglers. Strange danglers. Fang danglers. Mouth breathers. Brain squeezers. And a dude with weird eyes. I love his line readings. We're going to get get a little more into that later. So there's infighting in both groups that ultimately leads to greater understanding. And just as a huge monkey is about to eat the men, the new Thunder Sisters arrive to save them. That's all. That's what the women have dubbed themselves. Eep and Guy set a fire to vanquish the big monkey. Everyone lives happily ever after. Eep and Guy move out all the way next door. And then the baby says her first word, which is boomsies and giving Grug something to be happy about because he's got his new best bud in the family. Nice. And that's the movie. Yeah, that's those are the broad strokes. That covers a lot. Also, surprisingly, my, my biggest surprise in this movie is the credits begin, and it's a Tenacious D song. I was like, what? Oh, yeah. They cover... Um, I'm a, I think um, I love you, yeah. Yeah, they cover the Partridge family, I think I mm-hmm. love you, which is funny because at first I was like, I have. let me just read this note real quick before we go any further. I wrote, Dink sings Partridge family. Sounds like Jack Blackish. Oh, because it is him, LOL. Tenacious D, closing credits. There's a couple songs on the soundtrack. There's one by Tenacious D, and then there's the band Haim. I don't know if you know Haim, but Haim has a song, an original song called Feel the Thunder, which is of the Thunder Sisters, and then Jack Black and Haim team up to do the final song in the closing credits, We Are Here Together. So, like, two bands that I enjoy uh, doing a movie that I never thought that, like, this kind of (laughs) feels like it could have been a cash grab, like, a, just a don't spend any money and whatever money we make, we're just going to make on it, right? Like, just get all, yeah. like, house bands or whatever. But they kind of went 
to a certain extent all out. They got most of the actors, if not all the actors, back from the first movie. And, you know, this has been a weird year for movies, but this is the number one movie at the box office during the pandemic. That's wild, too. And I'm glad that they had that they released this at home, you know, very quickly afterwards, because uh, we don't have to go to the theater to watch it if we don't want to. But like, yeah, I was very surprised with the overall quality of this. Like, that's not to say like this is an amazing movie or anything. However, like you said, they got the entire like cast back or the main cast. We got great new talent for the new voices and the new characters. It looks incredible in 4K. Like this movie is gorgeous. Yeah. What I like too is like they were trying to sort of push the metal aspect of being a cave person or all that like I always think when I think of cave people I think of like rock and and metal and guitar you know what I'm saying and guitars and I'm glad they got into that a bit uh so that was really cool but you're right like there was way more sort of loving care going on here than I was expecting again I don't want to say these things like they're negatives but like a surprisingly competent sequel like this is third Cage's third sequel the National Treasure he did Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance he did this and like I don't remember enough of the first movie to really compare the two but I know that the first National Treasure is better. I think the second Ghost Rider is probably better because oh, it's I a like crazy it Neville Dina yeah. Taylor one. And this is probably, you know, I would imagine sort of on par. Like, I feel like there's, it's less essential maybe, and maybe Cage takes a little bit of a back seat. but considering this is seven and a half years later and a thing that like, you know, I don't really care about the Croods, to be honest, like, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it also, it feels a little more like a reboot to me because if I remember the general theme of the first one was that this family sort of set in their ways and here comes Guy and he teaches them fire and it's all about like sort of the the yep. next level of thinking and humanity and now here they are and they're and they're adjusted to that but now they've reached yet another sort of level of thinking and humanity and they're having trouble adjusting to that and it's sort of the same in a way in a lot of ways just like they're hanging it on the same hanger like they're hanging the coat on the same hanger basically but they're finding interesting ways to explore that with the new characters like there's different dynamics it's like sort of the same themes but they're different kind of dynamics going on yeah there's different like levels of evolution like they are the oldest and least evolved and then Guy brings a little bit of that and I think the the point of the first movie like what you were saying is they kind of leave the cave for the first time right like Grug's like it's safe here we're gonna live here we're not going out into the world and then Guy comes they go out a little bit and now that they're on the road now they find this new place right which is you know they have like why is all the food like in order like it's all like organized in rows because it's like crops and farming by the <laughs> Betterman's right so like it's it's again so if they do a Crude's 3 like what's the next level of evolution essentially that they can meet like are they going to be like in modern day and like they I, I don't know you know I don't I don't know when this takes place I said I was thinking because it's like do they meet the Jetsons next like it almost ends where the Flintstones takes off like that's how I kind of like thought about it yeah I don't I, I mean like it's it's very clever in certain ways like I love the animation like the cartooning here is really great like the the designs and the interesting mashups of the uh, animals like I don't really recall getting much of that in the first one so much and I really love when they get to like this giant gate and Cage is so happy to discover this gate and uh like the grandma is just like well I've seen everything and she just like puts herself into the giant cat's mouth to like die in peace and stuff like there's some really fun stuff along the way I really love what Dinklage um is doing and in this all the like the new cast members and stuff I think are really good yeah the an- let's talk about the animals for a second because I don't remember if that's in the first one or not but like the spider, the wolf spider is in here, and the giant monkey. Like, it feels like this is more fantastical than I remember the first movie being. And, like, they're just like, hey, we're going to do 
weird stuff and just have fun with it because we're animated and we can. Yeah, it's almost like they were on like some weird Galapagos Island or something like that where things evolved on their own. It's like Mutation Valley or something like that going on where they live and everything. And maybe that's like to account for why they're getting smarter and smarter along the way too. Like the further they explore the Earth, you know, as it's like sort of coming back, I guess and re-flourishing. I don't know why I assumed there was like some kind of catastrophe, but it just seems that way, like from the first one, that the, they're, they're in this scorched earth, this barren wasteland, and they just come upon this uh, Eden. Yeah, like a Garden of Eden, basically. It, it's a lot for them to like adjust to, so there's a lot of that kind of stuff to explore, and people pair off really well together. Let's see here. What's going on? Oh, I do like... So there's a couple nods. I was looking at you know, We Always Look for Fast and Actions over on Too Fast, Too Forever, and that's a little bit different oh, yeah. here, because this is like canon within the universe, but I was looking for, like, specifically Cage connections, but not just to other movies of his, because we'll do that later, but, like, specifically to him, and I feel that when they're in the sauna and he's got the very bushy chest hair, I was like, that's very Cage, where yeah. uh, Dingles is like, take off that pelt. He's like, I did, and it's like, oh, no, he just has all the hair in the world on his chest. Yeah, and I think it's sort of fashioned like his Valley Girl hair. I mean, I recently rewatched that for Brian's podcast, um, High School Slumber Party, and it seems to be in sort of the same V-shaped fashion and everything. Yeah. I think Cage is on fire in this like as a voice actor I, I he's doing great enunciation really interesting line reads like he's like do their job buzz and like oh come on man like he's like banana all these things are like landing for me so well like i just love hearing maybe it's just that i, I we haven't really heard him a lot recently so like to hear him just talk in like all this crazy manner and fashion for like 90 minutes and really just like explore his voice like that was a lot of fun i'm sure you remember the the first film like the the video footage i think you found and sent to me like him like acting like physically acting and like mm-hmm. using the entire sound booth space to like enunciate and like st- like spread his arms out and like become grug yeah exactly it feels like he's uh having a great time like that's all coming through again i mean i wonder when they recorded this because like it takes a while to animate all this stuff and we were talking about like the production backup and things i don't know exactly when this cut was was being put together but it's just like the energy is totally there I, I was really happy, at least the stuff where he was involved, for the most part, like, is my favorite stuff of the movie. Let's talk about Wigasis for a second, <laughs> because I don't remember that from the first movie, but Grandma's hair is apparently, like, a winged creature, not only sentient, but, like, is an actual, like, dinosaur or dragon or something is magical like that was in a in a world in a movie filled with like land sharks which i don't know if they're real or not i know there's the beer like the brewery land shark and i don't know if that but it's just it's literally sharks with like legs like little muscly legs which is creepy and weird and cool and like i said the wolf spiders you know all these fantastic creatures like the wig assist was like i don't i don't know like what? Yeah, that was a that was a big surprise. Um, like that her hair was a creature this whole time, or a wig. I almost wish they played with that earlier and longer because she starts wearing sort of different animals on her head, and like I guess that's sort of an evolution of the belt character. You know, guy has this sloth right. or whatever yep. that he wears as a belt and things. Um, so that's very Flintstones to me. Like that's another 
point where that popped into my head. I was like, is their record player going to be, you know, like a big pelican or something like that? Where he just like put its beak onto the record and it just like the music plays out of somewhere. <laughs> it's wild. And I love that. And I love that at the end, right? Like, yeah, you mentioned she has the other hair, which is like this like long, luscious blonde locks, but it's also like a crazy another wig assist thing, right? So, oh, there was one other cage connection that I found. And I don't know if you saw any others just to his personal life, but like, Eep and Dawn go for, like, a ride because, like, Eep has a female friend for the first time. Like, she doesn't see her as a threat that she's going to steal Guy from her. And Dawn is like, I've been living here with my parents, right? That's it. So I don't have anybody else to talk to. I have a friend now. And so they go on this joyride on Cage's, like, cat creature thing or whatever. But, like, it's very clearly like a sports car. And I just felt that, you know, it's not a red cat. It's like a blue cat or whatever. But the fact that it's like, oh, that's my dad's, like, a real wild sports car. I felt like this is a very Nicolas Cage thing to have this, like, crazy, souped up, for lack of a better word, sports car they're able to take out. So I thought that that was a very, I don't know if it's a nod to him or just, like, dads in general. But I was reading into it what I wanted to read into it. And I saw Cage there. Uh, I definitely love when he would, like use the fur as like a shift gear kind of thing and everything and the cat's purring and they're like yeah listen to that baby purr and like those are all kinds of things you do with cars and say about cars and stuff so i thought that was pretty clever um there's one cage connection that like popped out to me that i doubt was on their minds at all okay the climax has to sort of deal with this big rare dinosaur bone it's like a big skull Mm -hmm. right and Mm -hmm. like there's that story where like cage found out that he bought this dinosaur bone illegally so he returned it uh you know without asking for his money back and stuff so i was like in my mind you know that 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 flare was was going off but like i doubt there is anything i mean maybe but i don't know i didn't think about that but i think that's uh, a great connection to find you know we talk a lot about peaches because peaches go back for a while and peaches are not here but like bananas are here and i wonder if dreamworks owns stock in bananas like do they own future (laughs) because like all of this people made right minions and stuff they love bananas and here like bananas are like the the center you know the keystone to like keeping these monkeys like the external threat in bay like in line right at bay and then even at the end, they become the banana bros. Like him and yes. Greg, or him, <laughs> him and Phil become banana bros. And I'm like, what? I, like, I loved Cage's little like flashback about that one time he had a banana. And he's like, oh, my family, let me tell you how sweet it was. And he reaches for it. And it turns out to be a trap. I was like, just give it. He could spare one banana when you find out what they're for and everything. But I was not aware of that minion stuff. Can you own stock in bananas? I guess. It's, like, I, if... it's kind of a joke, but also maybe. I don't know. Like, yeah. I know Future's or a thing like you can trade mm-hmm. it but I, I don't know because i think of like the broccolis right like that family literally made their money from broccoli then you know they they produce all the james bond movies like now and forever so i don't understand but i thought it was cl- i thought it was funny and it's weird that it's the only normal ish looking food in the entire garden but i did like that reveal and i liked how they were sort of like a double twist where it was like they were using the bananas to keep the monkeys away from them but then the monkeys were using the bananas to keep like this kaiju king kong thing away from them so i appreciated that little extra step yeah and i like that the end where they're like hey like they're they're 
ostensibly like all movie long against like they're the antagonists of our heroes right because they're like they're the ones you know headbutting and punching and kicking and whatever and they kidnap the people but then like at the end when they vanquish the big monkey they're like hey we're celebrating our liberators it's like oh like turn on a dying because like the enemy of my enemy is my friend right so yeah i thought that was really cool too that sign language or the monkey language was great and some of the subtitles oh the subtitles are amazing when it got like too crowded for the screen i was like i've never seen that before that's a great joke for subtitles that's never been done. This movie did, so this is the first time, I don't remember the name guy's name, I can look it up here. So this is the first time that this guy had directed a movie, which I think is pretty impressive to have. Like, I don't, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't like a huge budget, but like probably still a pretty big budget. Yeah, Joel Crawford. This is hmm. the first time he directed a movie, but like little touches like that. Like he came up, I guess, he's in the art department, all the Kung Fu Panda, the Rise of the Guardians. So like he's been in the DreamWorks house. They're like, hey, here's a movie, I guess. But yeah, like the little touches about like the subtitles, the Suicide Squad esque, not needle drops, but like each person gets like a title card. Like when the right. Thunder Sisters, the Thunder Sisters get unveiled and get shown to the world, and each of them has like you know their own face paint. Like it looks kind of like merchandising, but I don't think that they're doing that necessarily for this. Mm-hmm. But like they each have their own like color and their own design and their own like title card and then even the banana bros too so like the the use in an animated world of like the visuals is like yeah you're going to use the visuals but like the way that you're taking things that other movies do and just like kind of don't give another second thought to like they just added with a flourish here that I thought was really effective. Yeah, it didn't feel like it was to service anything but the story, right? Like, it didn't feel like they were doing this to sell toys or, like, things were squeezed in to make kind of, like, pop culture references. There might have been one joke early about, like, how crowded the L.A. freeway is that went over my head, but in retrospect, I think, you know, that was maybe the only thing directly, you know you know what I'm saying? Like, that, they're not yeah. parodying or sort of mimicking other stuff either. Everything is very driven... Uh, by these characters and personalities and stuff and so when that kind of thing pops up it's like oh wow that's really organic like it feels natural and I loved it and that gets a little more into where I was like this movie's kind of metal because like you get the black light face paint um, it almost looks like an album cover every time that they freeze frame and they're charging in with their names and stuff. Like, I really like that touch. It's really nice. And I also liked, just speaking of the visuals, like, it's not necessarily as flashy as that, but I felt like there was a really kind of, maybe they're commenting on something, maybe not, but as people get, like, kind of indoctrinated into the cult of the Bettermans, like, you know, Guy takes a shower and then starts wearing, like, like shawl or the kimono or whatever with, like, the necklace with the, the, the sphere, the orb or whatever, like, the rock, and then oh, Cage yeah. does the same thing, too. Like, I thought that the, kind of, in a way, sort of, kind of, as much as it can be in a movie like this, like, the understated transition or transformation from, like, caveman to, oh, I took a shower, I understand modern society now, right? Like, just that shift is like, oh, that's like a really well done, effective way to be like, oh no, they're one of them now. Oh yeah, yeah. Visually and everything, I love what they did with the Bettermans because from they're kind of hipster-ish, but for me, they're more like, what is it, like that new age kind of like 60s, yeah. 70s-ish kind well, of stuff? about Valley Girl, they're like, they're like yeah. Julie's parents, right? Yes. Yeah, they're more hippies than hipsters. And I thought that was a nice sort of throwback and also kind of a thing to be like, oh look, like the hipsters are the new hippies maybe because the only thing that they really do is the 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 top knot 
right? Like, maybe, like, a hippie would not have that. I don't know. But, like, yeah, I thought that was cool, too, because it wasn't really sort of era-specific. It was just more of, like, here's a here's kind of, like, an amalgam of all these kinds of ideologies over the years that are sort of, like, similar and, like, maybe a little ironic or a little, like, ridiculous. And, like, it was a nice balance between the cave people, too, because, like, they had some good ideas, but they also had some bad ways of doing things, you know? So it was, like, they had to learn how to sort of meet in the middle. Anybody I think you compare the Croods to are going to come out being, if not like just better, but like different, right? Like, oh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you seem like new agey and space agey and stuff just because like compared to what we know, it's like, oh no, these are these are people that like literally are cave people, like not metaphorically, like they are literally from the like the Stone Age, right? And then just, oh, you figured out like agrarian society. So even if they're not, <laughs> you know, like super hippy dippy, whatever, the fact that they have like figured out what's going on in the world, it's like, oh yeah, like, of course they're going to look wild to them because the other people are like in pelts and riding cats. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, you guys you guys figured something out. Yeah, and there's also like a lot of stuff in here too about modern convenience and sort of partially rejecting that kind of stuff at first or being sort of like technophobic in ways that, that kind of relate to, you know, every generation, I guess. Like I was just going to say today, but like that's constantly happening every time new technology is introduced. But like the toilet, right? And, and like that's created or the window, you know, just for that. Like, the way the window takes off. Like, I don't know. I just thought, like, that was really interesting and clever, too. And it just got me thinking as well, you know, if they kind of have to be... Like, they can't really go forward with this series too much further. Like, I imagine Croods 3 would be um, visiting Grug's parents and sort of explaining to him and his family, like, meet his brothers and sisters and being like, you guys are now in the past. You know, it would sort of be a, like a role reversal, but it would have sure. to be sort of the same story. So it, it kind of felt like they went all out with this one. Yeah, I think this is like, a, even if, if this is where it ends, it's like a nice place to end because you have, you kind of complete Guy and Eep's story, not that there were people are really watching for them, but like, I was also trying to think of like how big Emma Stone or Ryan Reynolds were in 2013. Like, they were both established people. Like, you cast oh, them for yeah. a reason, but like, they were obviously much, much bigger now than they were then, but, like, you kind of put a bow on their thing, like, they're still with the family, but next door, and they're doing their own thing, like, they have their own tomorrow, and it's them, and Cage gets the, you know, his boomsies, his little pal then, and, like, you know, you could create artificial tension, or add in new people, or, like you're saying, go backwards in time and bring Grug's family, but, like, if this is where we end, I think it's in a nice place. Yeah, and you can kind of write the story for yourself if they stay put. Is that like Clark Duke will get have to get together with Kelly Marie Tran? I guess at some point, right? And like they're the only ones left, right? They're the only two people, like aside from their parents. So, <laughs> end of story. I guess the yeah. truth just maybe maybe they die out. I don't know. I don't know if Clark Duke's character is really going to make it much longer to be quite honest. He doesn't seem to be really adapting or sort of learning too well. <laughs> Although it does kind of feel like he's the kind of character who will like just outlive all of them because like, he just lucks into everything. <laughs> like just like he just stays yeah. out of way enough to like not get eaten just like watching his TV or whatever like just obliviously like somehow surviving through life. I don't know. He was the one character out of everybody where I was like I, I was like so frustrated because I was like that was such a good call with the screen time 
commentary, but then there's they did absolutely nothing else with him. It was a little awkward when he wasn't kidnapped with the rest of the men so that they had he had to be rescued as well. And because he could have just been sitting there watching everything through that stupid screen saying the exact same jokes, you know, because it's not like he was proactive in any other way. Well, he well, all the um, like the moms and the and the daughters were out like looking for the uh, the guys and everything. It was just one of those mo- one of those sort of like story moments where I was like, oh, they have like such a they had like one really great idea for him, but like that's all he was the whole movie. Whereas like everyone else seemed to kind of actually grow in a way. Yeah, like I guess you need him in the first movie to have somebody to have like Emma Stone kind of bounce off of, like just like an annoying brother or whatever. But then as soon as Guy comes in, she's like with him, and so he just is sort of. So I think yeah, to your point from earlier, like it's him and Kelly Marie Tran now for the next one because and Kelly Marie Tran, I just want to say like she felt like a traditional voiceover actor like we talk a little bit about in those toy story episodes with hanks for the memories especially with um, nico and kevo like that one episode about how it seems a little bit of like stunt casting when you take jobs away from established voice actors and just give them to celebrities because they're very well known and they sell tickets and stuff whereas like I really felt like maybe like 90% of the performances here were not the sort of like, we're not phoning it in. Like, I really felt like everybody, for the most part, especially Kelly Marie Tran was like, her and Cage were like really exploring what their voices could do and stuff. And and, and the Dink just has such a smooth ass jazz voice. Like, you cannot get over that voice. It's amazing. He's the absolute (laughs) best. I love Dinkles. We have a couple more things to do on this episode, but any other notes that you want to talk about with The Crude's A New Age? I mean, there's a lot of stuff we didn't really cover. It goes by so fast. I definitely had one more Fast and Furious connection. I don't know okay. if you caught this, but when I say this, it's, it might blow your mind. The Thunder Sisters come into the monkey cave at the end when the kaiju is there and the men are the bananas. They're like dressed yep, up as yep. bananas and they're in this big dish. The wolf spiders, like, they shoot their web at the giant bowl that the men are in, and they drag it like the safe from the end of Fast oh, Five. Oh, okay. I can see that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it goes on for, like, a while, and it, like, reacts sort of the same way, bumping into things and stuff. I was like, oh, my gosh. That's pretty I cool. see it. I see it. <laughs> yeah, like, this is, like, I don't want to, like, gloss over anything, but it feels like, you know, in 95 minutes, there's so many, like, nice, like, visual gags or throwaway things or things that they're in a minute or two of that's just, like, at some point... I I don't like it's it's not part of the greater narrative but there are like a lot of like just nice references or illusions or just like little set pieces right so I think it all works right. really well cartoons are rough and comedies are tough to kind of talk about because there's so many bits right like there's so many just little jokes and gags and stuff and like we could sit here for you know an hour an extra hour like listing all of our favorite little gags and spoiling that stuff but it's much easier to just to talk about it generally and I think like this is at its core like a very simplistic general story like you've probably seen this a million times before like every sitcom has probably done this when the new neighbors moved in next door and they've had to try to get along right like it is that episode of a television show so there's really not too much to like dig into deep that way the stuff between cage and dink are just like in- amazing like i i want them in a in a live action movie together they are so good together i just got like a lot of uh i just thought it was a lot of fun just like all the stuff that cage was involved in in this movie just like made me smile well i've got the perfect thing for them just throw him in toxic avenger now that dinkles is going to be toxy right like get oh cage in there God. somehow too cage is like the millionaire mogul villain who like is trying to buy new jersey or something <laughs> like such a great day oh he'd be like the toxic waste like management 
guy oh, or something. Oh, you know what I you know what I I don't know if this is in, in Canada at all, but like have him be a guy who runs like class action park and Toxie has to take him <gasps> down or something. Oh, uh, that would be amazing. It's like, yeah, the toxic waste is coming out of action park. <laughs> that would be very cool. So here's a question that we did not talk we did not talk about on jujitsu that I forgot we did, but we created a while back four different tiers of Nicolas Cage movies. And I don't oh, know right. where this is going to fall, but here's the four different tiers. We have from the top, good movie, just like nothing, no bones about it, just a good movie, recommend it. Then we have one that's not necessarily a good movie, but it's either so crazy or so fun that we could recommend it and be like, yeah, for a Cage fan, just for a specific genre fan, that's for you. Then there's one that's just like, yeah, it's okay. Like, it's not bad, but it's just like, we're not going to really, like, we wouldn't really recommend it, but it's, it's fine. And then we've got 211, which is just do not approach yeah. steer clear of altogether <laughs> so the crude's a new age it's not 211 for sure i think it could kind of be you, you kind of talk me into any of the top three but where do you think this is is this a good movie is it just a crazy fun movie or is it just an okay movie i think it's more somewhere around like the crazy fun movie just because yeah. you know it's definitely not geared towards us right like we're in our 30s and 40s like you know i i don't think like the crudes is this one is not written for us this is like if i was my nephew like this would have been a great afternoon uh, at the movies like watching this or something sure. like that you know and it's zany it's wacky it's it's bizarre it's over the top it really takes advantage of all of that stuff as well it tries at times to not make much sense and succeeds and like i think a lot of the humor comes out of that and as an adult i still had a lot of fun watching it like look i mean it's not amazing again but like visually it's stunning it's got nick cage doing great voiceover work um and then there's a bunch of other fun stuff you know that comes along with that yeah so i would agree with that crazy fun like it's not essential, right? Like, it's somewhere in the middle, like, am I mm-hmm. keeping... Again, with with this many movies, it's hard to keep things straight in terms of, like, where... Like, it's more like tiers than actual ranking, but, like, it's somewhere in the middle. Like, I like this better than a lot of stuff he's done just because there's nothing about this I don't like. It just feels like you don't have to watch it, but I enjoyed it, right? So... Yeah, and Crudes are... The two Crudes movies are definitely... If you're going to watch any animated stuff that he's done do not watch that astro boy movie you don't really have to watch that ant bully thing and nope. definitely even though it's christmas time that we're recording oh, this boy. do not watch christmas carol. That christmas no. carol where he plays a doorknob i think oh boy <laughs> no 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 okay so here we go so we did this last time too so we'll do the cage club movie bingo count so we're going to go through all the squares on the bingo card and see what you know what this qualifies for like what is right. here you get a count like the, the higher the count the more cagey kind of a movie is, right? So, Cage Club Podcast Network crossover, I mean, not only is it a sequel, but we got Ryan Reynolds, who's in Hobbs and Shaw now, right? So, big old yes. And also, Emma Stone from La La Land, etc., etc. A woman is attacked. Yeah, I mean, they're all attacked all the time. It's not like a woman specifically, but like, everyone's always fearing for their lives. Accentuating an oddly specific word. Oh, I mean, like, yeah, that that's his job, this whole movie, right? <laughs> Adaptation. <Banana. laughs> Adaptation, no, not really, right? No, I don't think so. Airplane or airport? No, definitely not. And not even like a pterodactyl, right? Where, like, we could say it just, they just stay on the ground. Yeah. An attractive woman finds Cage irresistible? Like, they're already married. Like, that's not, that doesn't count. Yeah. There's that cute scene, though, where they, like, they're sleeping in separate rooms, and he can't, like, he's like, I need to 
I, I can't do this. And he like just walks through the wall. Yeah. Like that was great old school like cartoon yeah, the, stuff. The art for this is either going to be his head through the wall or the Banana Bros. And I'm I, nice. I, the Banana Bros is better, but I think that's kind of spoilery-ish. And I don't know. Oh, but yeah, we'll, yeah. Another movie plays in this movie. Not really, but the screen time? So up to you. Yes or no? No, I don't think that counts. Okay. <laughs> Awkward sex scene? No. Bad accent? No. Bad CGI? No. No. Billiards or bowling? There's no billiards or bowling, like, even, like, with rocks or anything in this, right? Oh, right. No, yeah, that would have been a good bit, maybe instead of the sauna or something. Like, this is this is my my den, right? Like, <laughs> like that. Yeah, like, my like a, oh, it could be, like, you could call, like, a man cave, and Grug's like, I got a cave, too, but, like, it's not like this, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, cage compromises a woman. No, there's no sex in this movie. Cage cries? I'm not sure if he actually ends up shedding that tear at the end. Is, is he, I mean, he might be, like, sort of wailing at the very end when they... I'll say yes. Next door. Okay. Cage dies? No. Cage drinks alcohol? No. Cage drives? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He drives that cat. Cage eats? Lots of food. Cage freaks out? Yes. Cage grunts? Yes. Absolutely. These are, that's like a real little, uh, I mean, that's like his, that's like his name. It's like, (laughs) yeah, it's almost grunt, right? Just grug is grunt. Yeah. Cage has a visible tattoo? No. Cage in jail? No. I mean, it's a jail of his, kind of his own making, but no, not literally (laughs) jail. Uh, prison in his mind. <laughs> this is not a Saturn Films production, right? No, not no. I think it's just DreamWorks. Cage is exas- exasperated slash a broken man. Yes, for sure. Oh yeah. On screen with an animal. Yes. On the phone. No. Shirtless. Yes. Top build. Yes. Laughs maniacally. Oh, I'm sure. I think he does. Right. Probably, the, oh right? yeah. There's that feeding frenzy in the beginning uh, when they first get to the garden, and yeah. he's like. Oh, that's so great. And they go, like, insane eating. Cage doesn't shave in this, right? Like, it feels like he could or should, like, with, like, fancy yeah. new sharp rocks or whatever. Good call. Smokes or does drugs? No. Stands on something weird? I mean, not that probably, I remember, but maybe. Like, I mean, there's so many weird things in this movie. Like, at some point, he probably stood on, like, one of the monk- punch monkey heads or something. But I don't, if we can't, I feel like if we can't recall it, we can't mark it. <laughs> okay. Cage starts running. Yeah, he runs in this. Oh, yeah. Cage steals something? Bananas count, yeah, right? He steals, yeah, he steals those bananas. Cage stutters or hesitates? I mean... Kind of? <laughs> he does so many crazy line ratings in this. It's in there somewhere. I, I can hear it. I just can't tell you what line it is. I, I, I will accept that. Cage voiceover. And not just him as a voiceover artist, but like, is there narration by Cage? It feels like... I know that there's early... I don't remember who does it, but I think there's narration that catches up early on. Yeah, it's Ryan Reynolds sort of talking about how he came to meet the Croods, right? Oh, like yeah, he, how many moons, yeah. right? So, no. I'll say no. Cage wears a hat. No. Cage works out? No. No. Cage's character has multiple names. No. No. Crazy eyes. I mean, yeah. Like, again, <laughs> during that feeding frenzy, like, they, they intentionally, like, bulge the eye, eyes out. <laughs> Dancing? Not just cage dancing. Is there any dancing in this? I don't think there's... I don't think there is... Was that a... That was a missed opportunity. Dramatic tonal shift. Not really. No. Like, I feel like everything's kind of like... It, it flows naturally, sort of, Yeah. Right? Like, they're definitely building to this thing. Like, if you're a little kid, you could definitely tell, like, what's with the banana mystery? Like, yep. what's... Go- you know? Like, there's no surprise, like, that something's coming. Elvis or the Beatles? No. Oh, that would have been so funny, though, if he, like, saw a Beatle and made a Beatles reference or something. I'm a real Beatle maniac. I love Beatles. <laughs> They're my favorite food. <laughs> explosions? I mean, there's fire, but not explosions, I don't think. No. 
would, would there have been explosions back then anyway? I don't know. Mm, I, I, I would imagine it's, it could be the kind of thing where they're like, oh, yeah, this fruit or whatever is, like, explosive. Like, they could sort oh, of, like, that's not a good, actual, mm, you know, but... That's funny. Extreme facial expression, I'll say yes. Oh, yeah. Flashback, yes, we have guys flashback in the beginning. Gambling, no. Gif-worthy scene, probably, right? Like, the Banana Bros and stuff? Oh, I love that Banana Bros thing at the end. It's so weird. Is there any gold in this movie? No, right? No, no. Helicopter, no. Holiday setting, no. Las Vegas, no. Magic mysticism, no. Montage, kind of the beginning, kind of the, the, the catch-up, right? Oh, yeah, and then there's the one of them, I think, like, the second day they're there, and they're sort of exploring the garden and everything. Okay, cool, I get that. I like that. New Orleans, no. Nudity, no. Overreaction. Yeah, there's like tons of those by him and like everything. <laughs> Overt sexism. No, I don't think so. No. Fruit. Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. Bananas. Red sports car. No. Religion or spirituality? No, that might actually be the next thing that they could tackle, right? Like they get to oh. a group and they're like, they're really into deities or something. Hmm. School? No. Singing. Is there any singing in this movie? I mean, not the soundtrack stuff, but just do they sing? I can't don't think they do no someone makes a threat yeah probably the entire movie right they're flying around all over the place well yeah like the threat of like don't eat the bananas and he's yes. constantly threatening him about that someone plays a musical instrument oh wow that they don't have that here they could discover music in the next one on, in someone way. returns from another cage film i mean they're all back from the crudes one so that's a big easy check subtitles or non-credits text yes 100 yeah. percent. great subtitles. a blast the beach. Do they go to the beach? Oh, they're... I don't think... Is he at the beach? There's one scene where they're, like, on the shore, and I was like, how is there, like, sand inside this place? But I guess there's maybe, like, a lake or something, so I don't think it counts. Okay. I don't think it's the beach beach. Time jump? Not really. Like, we have, like, the flashback, which I think is different, but I don't think there's a time jump here. Titular line spoken. Do they ever say a new age? I don't think so, right? I don't think so. Twin oh, th- I just put that together, though. The new age and new age, oh, yeah. like, hippies and stuff. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we dropped the ball there earlier in the episode. Okay. Twin Peaks connection. I don't know. Does that one monkey with the weird eyes count as, like, something that could pop up at Twin Peaks? Because, like, he's listing all the monkeys, and then he ends on, like, this one where it's just like, what is that design doing here? <laughs> Like Bob the monkey, essentially. Kind of. I don't. Know. I'm gonna. I mean, I'm gonna say. Stretch. I'm gonna say no. I like the idea. I like the uh, the effort, but I'm gonna say no. We have to be fair and just. Uh, wacky wardrobe. Not really. I mean, it's well, it's either does... all wacky or none of it's wacky, right? Or no. I mean, he puts on the Betterman gear, right? Is that? Mm, but he doesn't actually, I'm gonna say on. the hair, the hair piece, the wig assist gets the check mark here. Oh yeah, good call. War, kind of. With the monkeys? Yeah. Or no? Yeah. I mean, it's it's a battle at, at the most, I guess. And then the last one, X-Files Connection. Oh, man. If the alien showed up at the very end as like a stinger of some kind, like a post-credit scene, <laughs> aliens. <laughs> but that's it. So we had 28, a count of 28. So the last movie, Jiu-Jitsu, had 26. Before that, though, we're 35 oh. and 36. So this is a pretty cagey movie but not necessarily the most cagey movie pretty close pretty yeah, not close bad. uh pretty good considering i did not expect uh to be able to watch this this year so very glad we got 
two Cage movies this year. Pretty close together, too. And that's the beauty of the new, like, you know, I'd rather see stuff in theaters, I think. I mean, I, I love seeing stuff at home, but I like seeing stuff when it's available to me. And I would rather, rather have stuff like day and date at home, but with the new way that, like, at least Universal, and I know this is DreamWorks is different, but, like, Universal has set up things with AMC and with Regal, I think, where stuff's going to be VOD 17 or 30 days after it comes out. So, like, this might be the new normal, where, like, stuff is in theaters, and then if you don't catch it in theaters, like, three, four weeks later, it's available at home. So, you know, hopefully things get back to normal, but in terms of, like, watching Cage stuff, like, I'd love having Cage stuff in theaters, but, you know, if we can't, if we don't feel safe going to theaters, which I don't right now, like, get it on VOD in a couple weeks. I like that. That's not bad. Yeah. Works for me. So the final thing to do, we did this at the end of last year too, I believe, is I just want to take a quick look ahead to what we might get next year. So I know for sure we will not go a year without Cage stuff because we're getting something very early in January, something new since the last time. We are getting The History of Swear Words, a new Netflix series, which I am very worried about. I know, man. You got to, I think you just got to stop worrying a little bit. I mean, I could understand your trepidation about the film stuff, but like... This is like a whole different medium. Like, he hasn't done TV since, like, Best of Times or yep. something. <laughs> like, although, like, when that trailer dropped, what was the thing that I... The one thing I think we both said was, like, they... they Dude, look at the hair they gave him in yes. that trailer. <laughs> yes. It's a lot. He looks like 20 years younger, yeah. That was a shocking announcement to me, but I'm looking forward to that. So we got that coming January 5th, so we will cover that shortly thereafter. I also think next year we will get... Prisoners of the Ghostland, I think, is supposed to come out, mm. which should be awesome. Yeah, I think that's going to Sundance, right? Or something. I saw some stuff on Twitter where it's okay. Like a so that's Sundance. early. That's January. So maybe, hopefully, it gets quick distribution somehow, right? Next year's such a big question mark with movies, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, lucky for us, in a weird way, and for Cage's career uh, in the past decade, like his stuff's just been going straight to home video stuff, you know? So, like, it's not off-brand or model for, for him, which is kind of good for us, you know? It just feels like his shit will just premiere at home, like, anyway. But although the caliber of movies that we're going to talk about possibly coming out next year seem to be of a different or higher quality in one way or the other than what we've been getting. So, yes. question mark. So, Prisoners of the Ghost Land, then also maybe next year, the unbearable weight of massive talent. That's the big worry that I have. Mm-hmm. With the Mando, right? The man, him, and, him and Pedro Pascal. Yes, and Pedro Pascal says that Cage has influenced his acting, which, okay. Pedro Pascal's basically, like, taking it so far back acting-wise to, like, pre-mime. Like, he just stands there in, in, a, in a uniform, and you're like, holy shit, this guy's amazing. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> These are, like, where it kind of gets into some question mark stuff. Like, Wally's Wonderland, maybe, and Pig, maybe, and the Untitled Joe Exotic Project, maybe. Like, that all feels mm. like... We could get that next year. We could get it the year after. I don't know when. So Pig, I totally forgot about. that. That's sort of been in the pipeline for a while, it seems. Um, I, I'm i looking forward to the Wally Wonderland thing. Um, I was kind of a fan of, like, what's that, Five Nights at Freddy? It was yep. like a horror game. Uh, I used to play that with my nephew, and this seems to be, like, this beat that movie, uh, I guess. They've been trying to make that movie. So I'm, I'm very excited for that. I grew up in Chuck E. Cheese and everything, horrified of those animatronics. Now... I am on the more worried side for the first time with this Tiger King Joe Exotic stuff. Like, this is where I'm kind of, like, this. I'm now I'm worried. What's terrible, in general, 
is I get why that was a phenomenon, right? We were in like the first month of lockdown. I still never saw it. I never watched Tiger King, but like okay. everybody was at home. Everybody was going nuts. Everybody was scared. And there was this thing that everybody was like, we're going to watch this together. But here we are almost a year since then. No one talks about it anymore. Why is it happening? <laughs> yeah. And if they talk about it, it's like, I think one of them ended up on Dancing with the Stars, but she fed her husband to a tiger. Like, why are we talking about these horrible people? Like, I watched it eventually, and it's like about despicable people doing horrible things. Like, I don't need a dramatization of this. Um, you know, I'm kind of nope. upset enough that I watched it as a documentary. I mean, look, it, it created a lot of awareness for these these poor animals. And like, you know, you can't denounce the good that that's doing and everything. But like these people, man, like, oh, I do not want I'm, I'm a, that's why I don't want him sort of associated with it. Even I agree. I'm right there with you. I don't know why it's happening at all. And I don't know why he's involved. But again, there's also another thing on Amazon that's like the untitled Nicolas Cage Amazon series. And I don't know, because, like, Tiger King series got picked up by Amazon, so I don't know if this is just, like, kind of, like, a duplication error on IMDb that, like, this untitled Amazon series and the Tiger King series, or if there's two different things. Do you remember? Did he do another TV series? Did he sign on to another TV series, or no? (sighs) Not that I can recall, no. Right. I don't know what that is. That might be the same thing. It might be a different thing. I will say that the one thing that was on our list that got dropped, there was a movie at some point or a project called 10 Double Zero, which is no longer mm. listed on IMDb. Like, we've seen that before. Like, he was going to be in that movie Siberia, which I think eventually came out with Willem Dafoe. Like, you know, people fall out of projects from time to time, right? So, like, I don't know if 10 Double Zero just got COVID canceled. I don't know if he dropped out. I don't know what happened, but it's no longer listed on IMDb, so... May we pour one out for whatever ten double zero? Not to just dunk on a movie that I don't know anything about, but that sounds like just like a VOD title, right? <laughs> yeah, it does. I mean, so, what is that title like? Ten double zero? Was that even like the title or just like a placeholder sort of number in their catalog? Where it's like, this is movie ten double zero of the year. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll get around to naming it soon. I don't know. I mean, again, not that like pig is a better title, but you know, pig's a it's pig, right? So pig. Yeah. True. At least that one, from what I understand, is about a pig. So, <laughs> yes, shoe fits there. But yeah, so we'll be back in two or three weeks with History of Swear Words, which will be our next Cage Club episode. Unless, like, something miraculous happens, we get another surprise Cage movie. Like, I don't think we're going to, but you never know. But at the very least, we'll be back in early January with History of Swear Words. But Mike, anything else to talk about before we say goodbye to the Crudes, A New Age? I guess just if you're out there, check out my new podcast, The Monsters That Made Us. It drops the last Friday of every month. Dan Colon and myself, we are going through the history of the Universal Monster movies. Um, and then after that, we're just going to keep going. Monsters forever. Um, so check that out at cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub at cageclub.com pod on twitter and instagram hey i did your job this time i did all the the little plugs and you sure did i don't need to say anything else but check out too fast too forever every tuesday and friday for now until mid-january when we go back to just every tuesday we're going back to once a week but yeah we've got like 27 28 shows not all in production right now we probably got about six or eight or ten maybe going active strong so just cageclub.me slash shows all the links that mike said and yeah just send us a note mailbag at cageclub.me if you want to say hi i'm joey lewandowski and i'm mike manzi We'll see you next time for a history of swear words right here on Cage Club.